0: Hello, friends. Thank you guys for tuning in to today's show with my man, Keith Norris. Keith is the husband and uh, amazing half to Michelle Norris, who we had on about a year ago. They are co-founders of Paleo FX, one of my absolute favorite and one of the best conferences I've ever been to. Uh, bringing in guys like Rob Wolf, Mark Sisson, and a number of other great people that I have followed and had on here and uh it's just a tremendous experience and keith is an incredible person uh we'll link to the episode i did with michelle about a year ago i think it's phenomenal finally got to sit down with keith who really has uh he's just a physical specimen you know for someone in his 50s uh, absolutely walks the walk and looks the part and does so in all respects from the mental obviously the physical and the emotional and the spiritual he is uh, a dialed in person that always puts a smile on my face whenever i'm in his presence uh, we did have a change of plans. Obviously, Paleo FX was supposed to go down in April and it will be now slated for July 14th through the 16th. So pending, there's no weird stuff going on here uh, and things do move back to the way it once was in some regard. July 14th through the 16th is when Paleo FX. So we have an updated timeline for that. I'll re-mention it and we'll put that in the show notes as well. Make sure you click subscribe, that way you never miss an episode, leave us a five-star rating with one or two ways the show has helped you, and check out our sponsors because they are keeping this show alive financially. We're brought to you today by grass-fed liver and bone marrow by Ancestral Supplements. Ancestral Supplements makes New zealand source nose nose-to-tail organ meats, liver, and bone marrow in simple, convenient gelatin capsules. Beef liver and bone marrow are the most effective foods to support health and wellness. These traditional foods were, and still are, fundamental to our biology. It's incredibly insightful to see how animals in the wild instinctively go for the liver and bone marrow first, leaving muscle meats for the birds. Even then, the birds will be caught taking marrow bones high into the sky and dropping them onto rocks in order to gain access to the inside. Liver and bone marrow provided concentrated amounts of vitamin A, choline, folate, B12, copper, heme iron, and fat-soluble activators that are now absent from the modern diet this nourishment is known to support methylation and fundamental health visit ancestralsupplements.com to see what they can do for you ancestral supplements putting back in what the modern world has left out and if you use code word king 10 at checkout you'll get 10 percent off everything they have in their amazing store this show is also brought to you by one farm one farm is the highest quality cbd and cbd products that i have ever used they are a one singular farm, single origin, USDA certified organic CBD hemp farm up in Colorado that uses 100% CO2 extraction. These guys are phenomenal and they're innovating on a daily basis. They've created a number of things to really support the body in all ways from facial serums to eye serums. Uh, Some of y'all might think that's just for the ladies, but I promise you uh, it'll help you feel and look younger. And really the CBD, which is what it all boils down to is full spectrum, meaning you're going to get more than just CBD. You get a full spectrum of cannabinoids, a full spectrum of terpenes. All have been shown, or many have been shown rather, to support the immune system as well as sleep, anxiety, mood, and a number of other things that science is still figuring out from this wonderful teacher plant. Check it out at onefarm.com Kyle, and you will get 15% off everything in their amazing store. Thank you guys. And without further ado, my man Keith Norris is with us. All right, Keith Norris, finally in the house, brother. Yes, sir. Kyle, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, incredible. Um, shit, so much I want to talk about. Obviously, I want to get to Paleo FX. I want to talk about this book we were just talking oh, about. Dude. But first, <laughs> I want to get your background. You, uh, how, What was life like growing up? Because you were a military man,
1: correct? Yeah, well, I grew up in a military area. Yeah, my dad was military, although uh, by the time I came along, he was um, in the Guard okay. for this period of time, um, this Vietnam era time um i grew up in a working class neighborhood dad worked mom stayed at home um very blue collar uh you know protestant work ethic um and <laughs> hour people mm-hmm. um yeah so that was my upbringing man and it was uh you know it it, it wasn't uh, i didn't want for anything because i didn't realize what there was out there to want for right um but it was, it was tough, man. It was, uh, I was an athlete early on, uh, super, super competitive. Um, I was not the kid that was going to split the atom, man. I, I, you know, I wasn't that. So I knew if I was going to make it at something it had to be through athletics. Um, I always had the will to succeed and, uh, compete and be better. I think that was just in, you know, inbred in me, it was just part of my DNA. And that's the way I could express that was through athletics. And I just happen to be pretty damn good at running full speed and throwing my body into other people. So, I, you know, <laughs> and growing up in, in South Texas where it's, uh, you know, it's uh, cotton farming, religion, and football. Well, that, I, I fed right into that system. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, you definitely have. I mean, still, how old are you right now? You're 55, man. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you just came off the field. You still got it, brother. Yeah, I still, I, I still love to train. I love, um, you know, I consider my body as a temple. And I always look at it that way. You know, I didn't, back in my competitive days, it was a tool. You know, I considered it a tool, but now I consider it a a temple. Um, I'd like to think that I'm a little bit wiser now and, uh, take things a little bit easier. I, I take recovery seriously. Yeah. Um, whereas before I, you know, I didn't, it was a hundred miles an hour and I'll sleep when I'm dead. That was a mentality. And that's part, I mean, that could
0: have been from dad. That could have been from coaches. It probably was from everybody you fucking knew who was it in was. a male
1: body. Right. right? Well, in mom too. I always yeah. said if there was such a thing as a German tiger mom, that was my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, uh, talk a little bit more about that. You know, how has training changed over the years? Because one of the things, and and I definitely want to get into, you know, what you've gathered in the esoteric and spiritual that may have been different from your upbringing. But um, one of the things that I've noticed that, is kind of commonplace, unfortunately, among people who who start on a spiritual path is they forego the body. Right. They, they don't give a shit about it anymore, right. right? Like all this, the awareness, the deepening of awareness, enlightenment, all these things become uh, the singular focus Right, and they stop taking care of themselves. And it's like, well, we're here in body right now. We have one vehicle to use. Right. Why not make the most of that? I like getting up and feeling light on my feet, being able to dance, being able to run on a whim, playing with my kids. I don't want to fucking lose that exactly
1: exactly and i think the body is a springboard to spirituality because the body for better or worse is how we experience this realm right and all of the all of the spiritual work that i've done and i've i've done a lot and i love that but at the end of the day i have to bring whatever whatever i grasp in those other realms and we can talk about that a little bit later mm-hmm. and i have to bring it back here to earth to this realm this is where i'm operating this is where you and i and all of us are here to to teach and here to learn and we have to do it through this body this is the instrument by which we navigate this realm and in in my opinion i treat it as a temple so that the the more highly tuned my body is the more the more better i can receive spiritual teachings or downloads when i'm in ceremony and i'm in these other realms and the better i am at transferring that information or putting that information to work in this realm yeah you can bring it back to earth right, right? and right. i'm sure you've come across plenty of people that are oh, one
0: foot on earth and one foot in the astral right, right but um i you know i think about that too like there are things that you know for i mean paul Check talks about this from from uh taking tai chi and, and zone exercises which are chakra exercises mm-hmm. in the in the end of how to eat move and be healthy and, you know, a breathwork squat is grounding. It's going to hit the root chakra. Right. That's over some people's heads. But if you can just think about it very simply, a back squat's going to fucking put you in your body. You're not thinking about yeah, anything else. Yeah, it sure else. is. I you just know? did squats yesterday. That <laughs> <I> was totally <laughs> Yeah, it. I deadlifted heavy for the first right, time in like a month. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> right. I'm nowhere else. Right. I'm right here, right? And so I think of things like that that, are, that seem to be irreplaceable. They seem to be things that actually matter. I mean, you could fucking air squat all day. It's not the same as doing something under load. Right. And those are practices that I think of at, in a way now as spiritual practices mm. because they're very much something that pulls me into my body in a way
1: that I can't get in yoga. I'm right. not going to get it elsewhere. Right. And I think everybody, you know, my my mode of training is weightlifting. In secondary, it's sprinting, and I and I ride a bike a lot road bike fixed speed bike mountain bikes yada 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 those just happen to be my tools that's what connects me um my training now is totally different than it was when I was competing so there's that and my outlook my goal of training is totally different than it was when I was competing you know when I when I was competing I really didn't have any spiritual bent whatsoever yeah um I really didn't come from a particularly religious family um, I was steeped in Christianity because that was my culture, um, but I wasn't a church-going kid, you know, they didn't, so spirituality was kind of far removed from me. In fact, I really didn't want anything to do with it, you know, I, I wasn't particularly drawn to it, I wasn't repulsed by it, it was just something that just didn't appear on my radar until much later. Um, but my focus for training, you know, for the first 25, 30 years of my life was Purely for outperformance, outcome, performance, outcome. Were you trying to gain weight? What position did you play? I played defensive back. Yeah. Okay. And in fact, I played roughly at about the same weight I'm at now. I was going to say, you're yeah. a jacked defensive back. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was, I so was defensive is, line. I was so this lot is a totally different day, right? Uh-huh. We're talking, in I'm going to date myself, but this is back in the option day, right? Where mm-hmm. an aerial circus was somebody putting the ball up in the air 20, 25 times a game. Um, this was totally uh, stop the stop the option mm. defense, right? And you, it, and essentially, uh, the strong safety, which is what I played, the strong safety was essentially an extra linebacker. Yeah, yeah. like an Adam Archuleta type, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay, yep, I get that exactly. speed and power. A little yep. bit more speed, yeah.
0: Maybe and a little less just size, a but... lot of
1: bricks in the head, man. Uh-huh. To bring the leather, yeah. Okay, totally different game
0: than it is. So today. you didn't have to gain weight. How has your diet changed? I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm, I think I'm trying to uh, paint a picture here, of, right, of right. what you've gotten to in Paleo FX, because obviously, just to have that idea of bringing all these people together, right, there must have been some formulation of that for you and Michelle to understand. Yeah, Where, what started you on the path of instead of just wanting to be the best and knock someone's fucking head off, like I did in football too. There's some really important stuff here that so many people are missing out on from a health and wellness standpoint that we can really have a a niche play in.
1: Well, I think – i think very very early on i wasn't the most naturally gifted player on the field i always had to train to be on the field with people who i knew were better athletes than i was right so i had to train to be on the field i had to watch more film than the next guy i had to eat better than the next guy i had to do all of these things i had to be in my head which is really what got me into psychology was through the sports route wasn't anything else i wanted to find out why do i respond to certain coaches better than other coaches what is it they're doing how are they worming into my brain how why is it that i feel like performing for him and not for him yeah and that's what got me into the psychology realms um, when i was not a good student in college but that's what got me interested and that's what that's what made me become a good student was because i was very interested in that on the diet side of things I understood very well, even at a very, very early age, because I had happened to work out in a gym when I was younger. They'd had everybody in it. You had track athletes, you had bodybuilders, you had all of these different people all coming together. And this was in San Antonio. It was a perfect breeding ground for me coming up because I saw the bodybuilders going through contest prep, right? And I saw how they were eating. Oh, carbohydrates. If you manipulate carbohydrates, I can manipulate body weight. Cool. Understood. Um, you know, the the ramification It's simple things like sugar, right? Why put a a poison like that into your body? And, um, interesting story. I got to meet Arnold when I was 12 years old. He did a, yeah, it was, it was fascinating. He did a a sporting goods store opening in San Antonio. And I begged my dad to take me. my dad was like, you know he could give a shit about bodybuilding <laughs> but uh i finally nagged at him enough he, he took me and uh where, where,
0: where was arnold at in his career at this point so
1: this was 76 okay so still bodybuilding right Just he's in pre, the bodybuilding pre, uh, pre-acting all, yeah okay. yeah still had wow. the heavy heavy accent dude it was fascinating because there was a handful of people at the sporting goods store opening and it was him and franco colombo yes so both of them together and first the the disparity between the two, right? So Franco's is just like five, five brick out. I and mean, he's still a huge dude. But I remember seeing Arnold at that time. And that was the biggest human being I had ever seen in my life at that time. Just freaking jacked. And he was in the off season, right? So he was carrying a lot of body weight. And uh, and, and and I was no stranger to big dudes, man. I mean, my family's big. I have big uncles. And, and, and again, the background that I grew up in, you know, a lot of tool and hour guys, a lot of roughnecks. I, I knew rough and tough dudes but the sheer size of this guy was amazing and at that time man you know i was 12 years old i was a kid that had um you know the uh, uh what was a dude's name played for the raiders man uh, Lyle Zedo no howie quarter, long qu- quarterback um uh, mm-hmm. crap i'll think of his name here in a minute long hair, beard, Kenny Stabler, man. I oh, yeah. loved Kenny Stabler, even though I was here in Texas and should have loved Roger Staubach. I was like, nah, not the clean cut dude. I like that guy. So anyway, Arnold comes in, he's got long hair and, it, and at 12 years old, I put it together, man. They were He had like groupie chicks all over the place. <laughs> yeah, he did. And I was like... <laughs> I see how this game is played now, right? I'm starting to come around at 12 years old, and and again, it's like I can't sing, I'm not good in school, but I think I can freaking do that, right? And so that that kind of led me on that path um, to understand that nutrition really affected the body, training really affected the body, and I I was really into that. How can I best do what I can with these gifts I'm given? And how can I outperform the guy who is a better athlete than I am? And I did that throughout my collegiate career, man. I played against guys who were freaking good athletes, right? A hell of a lot better than I was. But because I studied film, because I worked out, because I did all of the things, I could at least compete against them. Didn't mean I always won against them, but I could freaking compete against them. And sometimes I did win. Hmm. Um, so that, that's kind of the the mindset that I carried into uh, from college, I went into the military, spent uh, nine years in the in the Navy, in the military, still trained, was still super, super interested in what training and diet would do to the body. Um, from that, uh, I went into, of all things, uh, when I left the military, I went into the pharmaceutical industry, which is kind of interesting and ironic. But at that time, I thought that I was doing humanity a favor, right? Mm-hmm. You know, hey, the, you know, I, I was under the delusion like uh, most people are that um you know big farmers out to help people and oh by the way i could make some bank while doing it so i thought hey win-win went into that industry and you know after a while became very very disillusioned for obvious reasons and uh you know michelle and i at a certain point had this um realization this kind of waking up to where you know i don't think the american dream is exactly what it's cut out to be You know we got the big house the big cars kids are all in the best schools we are freaking rolling we're making bank and we are empty inside Mm. what's that all about and that was kind of the beginnings of both she and i kind of coming around and at least asking the question why are we dissatisfied when we have everything that we're supposed to have both of them you know michelle came from a very rough background too same thing we had made it in the eyes of where we came from and yet we were empty inside and so then became the soul searching yeah yeah
0: yeah the, uh, have you seen the documentary i am i have not I know I, I know I know i talked about it a bunch here it's from um maybe you can look it up chris it's from the duck docu- it's from the guy who directed uh liar liar ace ventura pet detective mm-hmm. he was the dude who blew up jim carrey <laughs> and um <clears throat> obviously he blew up with him but ace ventura you know he makes it it does well. He buys his first home in Beverly Hills. Uh, The Mask comes out two movies later, which right. carry crushes it. And then Liar Liar is just on a whole different level because now mm-hmm. the whole world knows who he is. He directs that movie and he buys his third home in Beverly Hills, his $33 million home. And he's sitting on like the ups, like this double staircase at the top, and the last boxes get unloaded from the moving truck, and he realizes he's not happy. Right. So he right. sets out on the world. And it's I've been listening to a lot of Russell Brand lately, and he always tries to mm-hmm. I shouldn't say he always tries. He does a great job of seeing through the lens of the 12-step program for Alcoholics Anonymous and, and Narcotics Anonymous. But that first step to recovery in anything, whether it's addiction or not, even just a life upgrade is admitting something's wrong and that you don't know the way out right that's when you seek help right, right right and so like i think about that and it's like what rock bottom looks like for an addict is completely different than what rock bottom looks like for somebody who's very successful sure. through the eyes of what america the american dream is right right, right. but you still fucking hit that if you're not looking within right eventually you get all the things outside of yourself and realize that there this will not fill me up dude it is very very empty
1: and um i have a son who is who went through a heroin addiction and came out the other side unscathed thank god two years clean um but yeah his rock bottom looked totally different than the rock bottom that michelle and i hit right i mean we we had everything we had it all we had i mean except for A feeling of connectedness inside we were totally empty and we were totally like what now I mean we've conquered this we've conquered this bitch I mean we we did everything we were supposed to do and we're miserable what the hell Um, and that that was you know talk about having no grounding from which to push off from right it was just totally like what the hell And also during that time, I mean, it was the perfect storm. So we were going through that. Um, We had enough fuck you money at that time. We decided, okay, we're going to bail. We don't know what we're going to do, but we're bailing out of corporate America. They have no clue what we're going to do, but we're going to bail. We'll figure it out. We've got enough money stashed away. You know, we'll we'll take some time off. We'll figure out what we're going to do. All that money happened to be tied up in real estate and 2008 hit. Mm-hmm. So that wiped us out. So we went from rolling to near bankruptcy. And then immediately following that, we lost our daughter in an auto accident who was in college at the time. And, it, you know, and I look back on that. We we went from king of the mountain to just freaking empty, hobbled, not having anything to hold on and nothing to hold on to. Um. the only the only security we had was to stay in the gigs that we had going on at that time and we were not going to do that um friends and family thought we were absolutely crazy that we had lost our minds which we probably did you know looking back um but we were like we don't we don't care what happened and i mean what can it get any worse than that right losing a losing a daughter like that it, it can't get any worse. So, you know, who cares? We filed, I laugh at this now, that that in our friends and our family's eyes, bankruptcy was like the big no-no. That was like the <laughs> scarlet letter. And we're like, <clears throat> who fucking cares? And I mean, we were at that point to where we could just shuck it all and whatever. be all right. We had each other and that's what we had. And that's really the only thing we did have at that. And we had our kids too, our remaining kids. Um, but that's all we had. And we packed up, limped into Austin, and figured it out. We bootstrapped our way back up. Yeah. Once you guys had relocated, did you know what
0: you were going to do? Like, where where, where did this birthplace? I know we were just talking about this book that now seems more fitting. Right, you right. We were talking right. about this betting book. Right, right. Uh, what was the title of that? Uh, which
1: one? The uh, the, the be- movie? No, the betting one. Oh, oh, Thinking in Bets. Thinking right. in Bets. Thinking right. in Bets, thinking yeah. in bets right? So like this. Uh, <laughs> any... Uh, We'll, we'll get the name and we'll link Thank to it bet. in the show notes. So right. we don't
0: need to worry about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, having not even read this, but hearing the synopsis of the book from you, it's right. making me think like this is a time
1: where you guys rolled the fucking dice. Dude, we, yes. And we've rolled the dice a few times since then. But, but yeah, we limped into Austin. Um, I had a rough idea that I was either going to partner with somebody in a, in a group of gyms here in Austin or I was going to open my own gym. So there was that. Uh, Michelle was a chef. So she was either going to get a chefing gig here or she was going to open her own uh, her own gig. And she wound up opening a catering business here in Austin. So um, and I did the gyms, Um, efficient exercise. Um, They've since been sold and they're now adapt gyms, by the way. But um, anyway, so that's what got us going. And uh, that was our first foray into entrepreneurship. Um, Interesting story on that. When I was in college, I didn't even know what a fucking entrepreneur was. Had no clue uh went to college on a scholarship was pretty full on myself like you know yeah here i am at college i'm here to play football four years i'll turn pro i'm just here biding my time and whatever classes i have to go to in between you know whatever um we had to go to a freshman orientation which a friend of mine who happened to have his shit a little bit more together than I did at the time because I was undeclared major, you know, and I, I believe I am not the same person now as I was in at all. Um, so anyway, this friend of mine was like, just come with me. And he's a business major. So I was like, yeah, whatever. So I went with him just to get the requirement out of the way. And, uh, sitting there in orientation and this girl stands up you're supposed to go around and introduce yourself and what your major is and yada 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 so the girl stands up she's pretty hot which caught my attention one of the only things that could catch my attention at the time so i'm like wow all right and she starts speaking and i I can't remember exactly what she what she said but it had something to do with she wanted to be the first female entrepreneur in texas to yada 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 and i thought to myself what the fuck is an entrepreneur (laughs) (laughs) and i think about that now because i did not know and of course i didn't ask anybody because you know you're young you think mm-hmm. everybody else knows and they probably did i was probably the only dumb ass there that didn't know i, I don't did. think i knew what it was drew, in college either right i mean that's something they're teaching you either i had no clue and when i look back on that I, I had that was like another species of person that could start and run their own business like, it wasn't even on my radar as a possibility of things that could happen. Not even remotely. I just, if I was going to work and gain money from work, if it wasn't through athletics, it was going to be twisting a wrench. That was it. That was, the, that was my outlook. And in fact, in this time when I was in high school, there was a lot of kids, a lot of guys that were dropping out and going out to West Texas and working in oil fields because they could make bank, man. If you were willing to work and bust your ass, you could work 24 hours a day. If you know, I mean, they would just work you to death. And I thought, well, that looks pretty good. And the only thing that kept me in school and not doing that was athletics. I thought, well, I, you know, I've got a chance to do it this way. I can always fall back and twist a yeah. wrench. I can't always play football. So you know, we give this a shot and see where it goes. But that's that's where I was. And, you know, thank goodness I realized what being a student was, and that it wasn't just regurgitate answers which is what i you know i came up under the old school system that was it there's you know study regurgitate study regurgitate which didn't sit well with me and i finally ran into a professor who she forced me to think on my own she's like i don't want you to regurgitate the answer tell me what you think what do you think and i was worried about being right or wrong she's like i don't care right or wrong what do you think i was like wow i can think on my own (laughs) <laughs> and like express myself and i and, and then it was on and I was like oh fuck i like this shit um yeah but that's what turned me into a good student was finally running into a professor who forced me to freaking think on my own and come up to my come with my own conclusions on things and you know throughout that process i figured out what an entrepreneur was um st- it, it didn't resonate with me until many years later after my stint in corporate america that oh yeah i, I see how this works now you know i'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. Sometimes it takes me a few years for things to sink in, but yeah. Everything at the
0: right stage too, you know, exactly. Yeah. That that timing. It's just like reading a book. I was just talking with the the group of fit for service about that. You buy a book you hate the first chapter, so you throw it down, and then you throw it on the shelf, and six years later or whenever, you walk by it, and then that's the perfect time that's to the read time. that book, right? It right? just calls to you, and then it's like, oh, okay, I get it now. Right? I wouldn't have got it then. That's why I didn't exactly. read it. That's why it didn't resonate. Same thing with business decisions or the person you end up with in life. It shows up at the moment you're ready for
1: it. We're plant medicine downloads, and I would say that too. Like some downloads I have had you know, seven years ago in ceremonies that made absolutely zero freaking sense at that time, You know five years later it's like oh then you connect the dots you're like oh oh now i see what's going on now i see how this download and i see how these dots connect and everything everything works together but at the time you're just like what the hell is that okay yeah 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 (laughs) so you get you get the the
0: the the teacher that really plants the seed for you to think on your own and obviously that leads to uh becoming an entrepreneur at what point do you guys decide that you're going to fully take the deep dive
1: into starting <laughs> this whole new mission on your own. Yeah, so uh, just a real, very, very long story made super short. We were in LA in 2011 for a, for a conference and it was an academic conference. And, and, and at this time, Michelle and I were starting to go to different conferences, uh, mostly around the health and wellness sphere. And uh, so we, you know, conference after conference after conference, and they all kind of looked and felt roughly the same, right? And we went to this one academic conference that I actually spoke at. I was one of the few non-academics who spoke at this conference. And my talk was generally on how, how strength training um, can fit into this whole ancestral living concept, right? that the, Essentially, you know, we evolved as opportunistic eaters and obligate movers. I mean, that was pretty much it. We, we had to move and we ate everything we could get our hands on and get down our pie hole that wouldn't otherwise kill us either in the, in the process of eating it or afterwards through poisons. But the obligate moving part, I felt, and I still feel, by the way, that that's something that most people overlook, right? They'd rather take a pill. They would rather um, track, track their biometric, I mean, a whole host of things, anything to keep from actually working out, which <laughs> is a whole other story. But anyway, that's what my talk was about. Um, we left that conference. We were sitting on a Southwest Airlines flight. Sitting on the, uh, getting ready to take off from LAX, like you're wont to do at LAX. I mean, they pull you out there and you wait 45 minutes to take off because <laughs> that's just the way it is. Um, and, and we were debriefing from the conference and we thought, you know, we've been to conference after conference, this one included, to where it's, it's an echo chamber, right? You have an academic conference and there's academics there and they're speaking to academics. And we've been to conference after conference like this and how is anything ever going to change, right? There's no even educated lay people at this thing. Um, how, how is this information getting get out? Who who is ac- who from this conference is going to go home and actually wake up the next morning and go, "Oh, I can eat this. I can work out in this way. I can change my life." Having been to that conference, and we thought, hmm. Well, who do we know who is can put on a conference that we can give this feedback to so they can take it and run with it and create something. And we sat there and we figured, "Hmm, we don't know anybody. Um, Everybody we know who does conferences are pretty set in their ways and they've got their thing and good on them. And we thought, well, I guess it's us. So by the time we got back to Austin on the back of a Southwest (laughs) Airlines napkin, we had a rough idea of if we were to do a conference, what would it look like? And uh, by the time we got back, we're like, well, why don't we have? A, why don't we do a mastermind? Why don't we roll out a mastermind? This was before masterminds were a, a big thing. Um, but why don't we gather 100, 150 people, get about 10 speakers in, and we'll do it at one of, one of our gyms, and we'll just make a day of it. And you know, it'll, it'll be a rubber, rubber meets the road kind of theory to practice type of event. And uh, it's just a weird story, man. So we called up Rob Wolf after we got back. Asked Rob, hey, Rob, this is what we're thinking about. We need a headliner to kick this thing off. Would you be willing to come in and hang out in Austin for a while and do it? He's like, fuck you, yeah, I'll do it. Hang out with you guys for a week in Austin. Any excuse to come to Austin, hang out with you guys? Yeah, for sure. So we had our headliner and we went <laughs> very, very quickly, blew past the 100 150 people. Next thing we knew, we had 300 and we're like, oh, shit, we have to find a venue to host this at now. Uh, by the time we ended up we had 700 plus people the first event about 50 speakers um and it was it was on and michelle did 94 95% of the heavy lift during those first years um she did it all she was it she was employee one <laughs> for, <laughs> for many years uh, and i would help on the fringes where i could but i was i was busy running gyms, you know running gyms is a 24/7 thing in and of itself and uh, very, very quickly she shut down her catering business because she couldn't do both, which that hit us financially because the event wasn't making any money. You know, her catering business surely was, but the event wasn't making any money. Um, but it we just had this innate feeling that even though it was a financial disaster the first year that it was people wanted this. And we, we couldn't figure out how to make any money doing it, but we, we were like, people want this, and surely we can figure out a way to make a profit on this and make it profitable, um, which we did the second year. The first year was a just a, a, a bloodbath, and had we not got, gone through that hard time in 2008, 2009, we would have cashed it in. I am totally certain of that. Because anybody that would have had any sense whatsoever <laughs> would have not gone into year two, <laughs> yeah. and we were, we just were like, oh, "Fuck it, we'll roll the dice," and you know. Yeah, and you at that up. point, it was like, "What's bankruptcy? Who cares? Who gives a shit?"
0: Yeah, you built up some resiliency. Oh going yeah, totally. That. The San really
1: Tlaib thing, man, anti-fragile. We were anti-fragile as shit at that point, <laughs> and probably still are. Yeah,
0: that's amazing. Um, you've I've I've been a part of the event the last couple of years. Something that I think is good because I want to get into plant medicine and things like that, but I do want to stay on Paleo FX is, you know, one of the things that you guys designed is it's an event where you can meet people, where you can talk to the influencers, where you do bridge the gap from academia to the lay and you get people on stage to really drive home to the, the the, the end product, the end user, right. right? Somebody who just read Rob Wolf's latest book is mm. gonna get to see him on stage for an hour and, and possibly get to chat with him afterwards for Q&A, things like that, right? right. I was in an ayahuasca ceremony um, when I was living in Vegas and this is right after I retired. And uh, <clears throat> the first two nights were on, I guess the meat and potatoes of my intentions. The third night was around work and mm. like, how do I grow this podcast? Which is, for some people, they think of that as like, a shitty use of time but i don't think there's any there's no shitty use of time in that space right. right and because i had ironed out things around family things around myself and i had a clear understanding of where that path was i started thinking about it and um you know the company i was working with had told me they were going to pay my way to go to any of these conferences i wanted so mm-hmm. i could get these big big name people on the podcast and then because they were hurting financially there was no way to do it so i had looked at flights to austin pretty expensive didn't have a place to stay none of this stuff and I kept telling me, you're gonna go. And I would argue, but I've already read the books, I'm not gonna learn anything new mm-hmm. on fucking stage, you know, or right. listen to these guys talk, and, uh, and it just refused. It was like, no, you're going, you're gonna meet people. It's important that you go. Mm-hmm. And so the next day, I looked at flights, and they had dropped like 50% off on Southwest. And I got a call from Sal from Mind Pump, and he's like, dude, we're going to Paleo mm-hmm. FX. you're right. coming with us, you're gonna be dude on the couch. And so my whole stay was covered now. And saw fucking and Mind Pump crew paid for my meals. Nice. Right? So, like, the, I got totally taken care right. of. And all this thing just happened streamlined. And, of course, I met people. I met Aubrey Marcus. And then we shared the same flight home back to Vegas where they were looking at ne- opening the next on it, Jim. Right. And we traded War Stories with me, him, and John Wolf for three hours. And fucking here I am today right now in this office because of that. It's amazing the way things happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No doubt. Talk a bit about how Paleo FX has progressed over the years and, and really... <clears throat> you know, you, you had mentioned to me like the, the not really knowing what it was going to be, but still
1: knowing it was, it was important to do. Right. Right. And and we really didn't know, we didn't know what we had on our hands. Right. And so paleo effects started off the first iteration. It was a diet heavy conference, right? I mean, it was all things paleo. There was some training involved because of of my influence. I was like, training's got to be a big part of this. I mean, it's, it's one of the essentials. It's a non-negotiable. I mean, I don't care exactly how you train. I'd prefer you lift heavy stuff quite often. I think that's a huge part of it, but training in some form or fashion. So <clears throat> it started off largely as a diet and training conference. And as we went along, as we went along, as we went along, Michelle and I have always looked at Paleo FX through the lens of what are we interested in? What do we think affects human performance? And what would we want to see at a conference? That's the questions we ask ourselves when we put on a show every year going out. Would we want to be there? Would we want this at a show? That's, that's always a litmus test for us. And so as Paleo FX has evolved, it has evolved into all the things. It's a human optimization event. And we like to call it seven pillars, right? So if it's mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, relational, financial, uh, tribal, all of these All of these issues are part of an optimized human being. And to the extent that any one of those pillars is faltering, you as a human being will falter. We can see this in the entrepreneurial realm, right? Where those people have the financial thing knocked out of the park. But either their relationships fail, their body fails, or their spirituality is in the dumps. They don't have any tribal community around them. They're going to go down, man. It never fails fails it never fails or you can look at somebody who has all the physical assets they could have right and and they will fail in some form or fashion they just burn out the body can't the, the entity not just the body but the entire entity of you is going to fail at some point unless you have all of these pillars lined up and so we created paleo effects even though most people who are new or near the conference just comes into their purview they see paleo and they're like oh it's a diet conference it's anything but a diet conference yeah that's yeah. all of the things.
0: Yeah, right. I've seen it evolve tremendously. I mean, I think Dr. Grace Liu gave a talk on oxytocin right. for 40 minutes, you know,
1: and it was amazing. Right. And plant medicines, spirituality, yeah. relationships, sexuality, all of these things, right? They and it's all and it's, it's all super important for the optimization of a human. Yeah, cuz right. it's all a part of our experience. It is. And when you think about those
0: things, I mean, there's so many books to read, but from Sebastian Younger's Tribe I love to that book. you know, to you know you read a book like sex at dawn from chris ryan and whether you decide you're going to model a different form of relationship or not that's up to you but to see the history of how we've systematically taking taken sex and demonized it and also women's sexuality and female sexuality you know like looking at untrue by wednesday martin it's like Mm -hmm. wow okay that's been done for hundreds of years and if not thousands of years to really take us to a place where it feels strange to want to bring this out. And, and then at the same point in the East, you have traditions of using sex for spiritual purposes, for enlightenment, for right. growth.
1: Right, And it's a totally different purview to look through. Yeah. It's interesting to look at your life through the lens of what stories you were told in your upbringing, right? What culture you were brought up in because for the first seven years of our lives for good reason we are sponges man we are just this we are just a disc that's being written on right and for good reason right in evolutionary terms we had to be sponges to absorb the culture that we were born into because we had to be a functioning part of that culture very very early on and so we had to be sponges now i mean we're no different now we're, this still is 300,000-year-old 3, chassis we're running around in. 3,000-year-old, 300,000-year-old brain We're still programmed the same way that first seven or so years, and you, you don't even know it. You don't, you don't even know to question if it's right or wrong. You just yeah. absorb, and you write into the subconscious until you get older, and some of what you taught works for you. A lot of what you're taught does not work for you. And so I think that's, for me anyway, a lot of my plant medicine work, a lot of my spirituality, all of that is to go back and dissect all of those stories. What was that story I was told? What is this imprint? Does it serve me? Does it not serve me? And just unravel all of those ties. And there was a shit ton that does not serve me. There's some stuff that served me very, very well for the first 30 years of my life that are now hamstringing me now. And those are the things that I'm working on much like operating in a scarcity society and a dog eat dog society in a you have to perform you have to win society well that's not my environment now that was my environment and thank god i had that imprinting to survive that and succeed that got me where i am today but that's not going to get me where i want to go i have to have a totally different outlook on life Um, but that imprint's hard to rewrite yeah it is you know and it's in my body so i can get it intellectually i understand it intellectually but to get my body to know it and that's when you really know that you know something your body will resonate and your body will know it and that takes time that takes training that takes integration as they say in the plant medicine circle worlds um yeah so that's that's kind of my path right now is to rewrite that one of the big things i'm working with the two of the big things i'm working with is am i um, worthy of love and abundance without having to perform without having to win because mm-hmm. right? that was part of my upbringing i will give you love if you win if you perform and there's a reason for that because in my culture where i grew up weak men got crushed right that's just that was a reality that's not my reality now my reality is totally different so i have to rewrite that in fact that programming is hamstringing me
0: yeah
1: right that that is what makes me work like a maniac the gary v type entrepreneur right you take that football mentality which you know it, it's great with that mentality and it's good for a while for entrepreneurship but it doesn't last man you're on that wheel of never satisfied never satisfied never satisfied grind 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 24 7 ba ba, ba Doesn't work forever. And so that's where I'm at right now and trying to exit out of that. Tangential to that is being comfortable with sensuality, relaxing into sensuality, not distrusting sensuality. So I had a ceremony recently where I was just luxuriating in sensuality, man. It was blissful. I'm just like rolling in feminine bliss and immediately I snapped out of it. And it was like waking up from a dream, to where you're like, "Why the fuck did I wake myself up out of that dream?" I had that same thought. <laughs> me yes, me <laughs> I was just like, "Why did I do that? What the? Why, what brought me out of that?" And so, and so, I was sitting there. I was like, "Okay, what brought me out of that? Why would I leave that situation? And like bolt out of that situation?" And what came to me was, "You don't trust it. You distrust that. Mm. It's a trap." And I thought, well, that's interesting. Where did I get that story that luxuriating in sensuality was a trap, right? And then I, and then I was meditating on that, and that, it, and for me, that is the one thing that could derail me from just hyper-focused performance, right? We want to trip that guy up. We throw a little sensuality at him. That'll trip his ass up. That's the only thing that's going to derail him off of that hyper-focus. Right, throw some sensuality in there and that's gonna that's gonna cause him to skew over. So I thought about that. I was like, isn't that interesting? Right? And that is a story that I was programmed, probably a generational story, right, that's been programmed into my genes that I'm trying to rewrite now, because I don't believe that now. I believe I can luxuriate in sensuality. I, I believe intellectually that abundance and love will come to me just from my being. Is from me being who i am and i don't have to perform to get it yeah. these are very very hardwired deep grooves in my subconscious that i'm having to work through Yeah,
0: Dr. Joe Dispenza and Bruce Lipton get into that deeply, and and two of my favorite books are The Biology of Belief by Bruce Lipton, and um, Becoming Supernatural is my favorite by Dr. Joe Dispenza, Mm -hmm. because he doesn't beat around the bush trying to cater to the scientific mind. He just fucking lays it all out there, Uh, and they talk quite a bit about that patterning and programming we have from the third trimester up until age seven. Mm -hmm. Right. But this is making me think about Paul Selig's latest book. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you heard of Paul Selig? Yes. So yeah, he's he's fantastic. He's been on Aubrey's show, and, and I first heard him on Duncan Trussell's. But his latest book, Beyond the Known Realization, I feel like I'm pulling more. I'm in a place in my life now where I can pull more from it than I could any of his prior mm-hmm. material. But what he was saying is, you know, in the ascension into the upper room, as he uses that language of basically uh, the embodiment of your highest self or the mm-hmm. embodiment of the Christ or the embodiment of whatever that uh the god in you as you right right as you begin to embody that it comes with ease it doesn't come from groveling it doesn't come from fucking hard work it doesn't come from outworking everyone else it doesn't come from busting your ass it comes with ease because you are you are almost like pulling layers away to just drop into that space
1: because the space already exists within right dude and that's it's ironic but it is the hardest thing for it someone of puma energy so so if you look in incan mythology right you have snake puma condor not that one is above the other or any is is better than the other but it's different energies it's three different energy fields um looking through the lens of uh, american culture the snake energy would be that energy that i had back in the pharmaceutical industry of waking up and going "I, i think this american dream thing is bullshit. Right? that's like the waking up that's the you know looking around you and going i don't uh, i'm not buying what i'm being told right now puma energy um if you want a champion for puma energy it's gary v right that's 24 7 grind hustle 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 never stop hustling don't sleep um, until you get the hustle done and then when you get that hustle done you start another never be satisfied yada 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 that's entrepreneurship on steroids puma energy Never satisfied, constant hunt, constant looking, hunt, kill, bam, boom, into the other one. That's competitive sports, operates in that realm, in that energy. The other energy is condor energy, which is what you just spoke to. That is the just relaxing into being. You don't have to hustle. You don't have to grind. You will be perfectly fine just by being, which is total counterintuitive to puma energy right it's the toughest i think i think it's easier to transition from snake into puma energy because that's a that seems like a natural transition but to go from puma to condor is a whole other thing entirely because that flips everything on its head right that's where that distrust of sensuality in my case in my case comes from right what's going to derail me sensuality the one thing that's going to derail me the other thing that That could derail me is ease right how can i be successful if i'm not busting my freaking ass right and that is total scarcity mentality that is not abundance mentality and i even as i say this i get it intellectually and i can tell my body doesn't feel it yeah right there's i can feel a, a, a disconnect in my body so i know i'm not there and i've got a long way to go to get there But intellectually, at least, and this is where the ego is a good tool, right? I get it intellectually. Now I've got to get my central nervous system to believe that.
0: Yeah. And I think Dispenza talks about that, like in in manifestation, we must match the thought with the feeling. Right. Right. And that's what changes the electromagnetic field. Yep. You know, thoughts have an electricity and feelings have a magnetism. And the only way we get those to actually make something manifest in our lives is to shift them both into unison, right? right? And an unwavering belief in that, an unwavering feeling in that, an
1: unwavering knowing in that. And that's when you start to see shit click. Right, And, and there's been many instances in ceremony when I've been deep into ceremony, and I've been able to, let me see if I can put this into words, extend time to the point to where i can discern how my thoughts are generated and it is always feeling in the body generates a thought pattern it's not the other way around right so it's not thought generates feel it's the other way your body knows everything it senses everything before the mind even recognizes your body knows so you have the signal from feeling within your body that generates a story. That story may be correct, that story may be total bullshit, but your mind is gonna make up something to support that feeling, right? So your body has to be in tune. So I can talk yadda, 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 all day long about condor energy. If my, and I get it, right? But if my body doesn't feel it, it ain't happening. And so, and I, I know that. And so I constantly try to reinforce that feeling within my body. Do I feel safe in sensuality? Michelle and I are going to a workshop this weekend and we're going to explore that. Can I feel safe and secure in sensuality and not keep it at arm's length, right? And just, you know, that's the old, I'm not going to fully connect. And when I look back at every prior relationship I've always, I've ever had, I've always connected with females who were very, um, can I say observant feeling, uh, dialed in uh woke as fuck i don't know other <laughs> yeah. way, right so that they paint po- a picture yeah. right um and they know if you're not totally connected right and i could never fully commit mm. right and i and, and it would finally train because they would feel it they're like you're not you're not in this you're yeah, not those- in this game you've got one foot in but your mind is pfft, over here and i look back at that and, and for the, for the longest period of time i'm like Man, every chick I've ever I've ever been with is just fucked up. <laughs> At a certain point, I was like, "I think the common denominator is you, bro." <laughs>
0: yeah, it's funny how life keeps serving you those lessons till you get yeah, it right. Till you get it right, it'll yeah. show up with fucking every face, every cloth, every the, the, like Ram Dass right. says, "The Guru shows up in all forms." Right, right. You know, and it's it's till you finally can grasp the thing that yeah. that your soul is calling to learn. Right, And that's when you get it. It's good that you've had
1: Michelle the whole way through. Oh, dude, she's uh, she's been a godsend, man. I she, you know, she was one of the ones that wouldn't run, and she, you know, and she would call me out on that, like, hey, you're not you're not here, bro. You're not fully committing to this, and I would argue up and down, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm totally, I'm totally here, and she's like, you know, no, you're not, and I, you know, and I would wrestle with that and wrestle with that. Why does she, why does she think that I'm not fully committed? Because I'm doing all the things, right? I'm doing all the material things. I've got all this shit covered. Well, that she could give a shit about that. It wasn't the material things. It was the connection, and I wasn't able to fully connect. I didn't even know what fully connecting meant. You know, I didn't even I didn't even know what that was, um, and I'm still a little vague on it. I got to admit, I'm you know, it's it's territory for me that is terrifying because of that conditioning that if I give fully into this, that's gonna f- fully freaking totally derail me from success, quote-unquote success. And that's just something that's going to take a while for my central nervous system to believe and yeah, dial into. I, th- I think there's always fear around stepping
0: into the unknown. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, there's yeah. always fear there because yeah. there's there's an uncertainty. There's no uh, situational awareness. Right. Right? And it's like, what what's well, going to happen when I try this thing on if I fully engage right. with it, you know, and not just step my – toes in the fucking shallow end of it, but actually dive deep. I don't know. Yeah. You know, and there's like a a thing about that. And, and, you know, I was telling you about this guy, Boyd Vardy, we just had on, uh, his podcast will actually come out after this, but, um, you know, one of the things he talks about in his book, the lion trackers guide to life is that part of tracking is you're going to take steps forward and you will have a track. You're going to find the first track Mm -hmm. on where you're going, but you're going to lose the fucking track. And you're going to keep going. Right. Right. And part of that's trust. Part of that is the skill of tracking, which he um, doubles into not just tracking animals, but tracking yourself. Sure. Right. Right. And, uh, and the parallels there. But that's just it. Like, whenever you get to this space of what's going to be required for your next growth and your next unveiling mm. at, at the next stage of your life. There's gonna be uncertainty. Right. And uh right. Chogum Trumpa talks about that on the same line of polarity of clarity is confusion. Mm-hmm. And that's how you know you're in the right place. Right. If you're fucking confused and there's uncertainty, you're doing good. Right. When you've got it all figured out, or you're stagnant because life is good, I don't need to change. Right. Right. Then you're fucking stagnant water. Right. right? That's not exactly. moving. That's not growing. Right. Right. So I think about those two different lines of uh of polarity i've got it all figured out or i don't want my life to change everything's right. fine to the man I'm, I'm clear as fuck i know exactly where i'm at i see the track to holy shit i lost the track i don't right. know what's going to happen now that's that's all in that same beautiful line of awareness
1: right it's a it's one foot in chaos one in stability. it's yin yang um all of that yeah it's interesting you brought that up and it, it sounds like i'm in ceremony every weekend which i guess <laughs> it's just about <laughs> it. i guess i am at this point but um in a recent ceremony i was i was exploring okay what does it feel like to totally release into the feminine into sensuality and i had this this vision of being um at at a at a chasm right and I, i could see like paradise for lack of a better term on the other on the other side of that and what was in that chasm was the great feminine and i was on the other side secure Totally like I, I've got this other side. I've got the ter- the territory over here. I know I can freaking make it over here I know all the tools. I know I've got all the drive. I can make it over here But it's hell I look over there and I see paradise, but I don't know that I have the tools to operate over there And I feel pulled like a gravitational magnetic pull into this great feminine That's just standing in the middle going. I got you, bro I got you, just release into me. And it was almost like being a kid, you know, a, a three-year-old kid at the edge of the pool where your mom is standing there in the pool going, you know, hey, just I got you. Just let go. Come into the water. I got you. That same feeling of I trust you kinda. <laughs> but this <laughs> yeah. in-between thing is, yeah, I don't know about that. Um, and intellectually I could come out and go, dude, just take the plunge. Just fucking take the plunge. But there again, my body just wasn't, you know, your body's going to do what it's going to do. And it's going to take a while for my body to go, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's what I need to do is to release. The feminine does have my back. The universe does have my back. I just have to trust to release and let go into it. And that's the most difficult thing I think that I have ever done. And I've done some difficult shit, but that is, for some reason is so very freaking hard. And I think because it's just so hardwired into my little P reptilian brain, it's <laughs> gonna take a while for that groove to smooth out. Yeah. It's even be repetition and over and over and over and over. And eventually it'll it'll get there. I'm sure of that. It's just not going to happen overnight, apparently.
0: Yeah, I think about I think about things like that, like the the harder pieces for us to uncover. And I think about Graham Hancock's work with Morphic Resonance mm. and, and Eckhart Tolle and A New Earth talks yep. about that, the collective consciousness. Right. right. So you're not just unpacking your generational mm-hmm. trauma or your or your every, you know, the epigenetics of what's been handed right. down to you and, and the way that you were programmed as a child from your family. Mm-hmm. All that's there too. Right. But it's also the collective. And the yes. collective right now is somewhere between Snake and Puma. There's right. there's somewhere totally. in that, especially as men, especially in this. You know, it's compare and compete. Right. It's not cooperate. Right. Right. And it's and it's and it's through separation. There's a fucking great book from Charles Eisenstein called "The More Beautiful World oh, Our like Hearts Know guy. Is Possible." He's
1: got a good podcast as well. Oh, I got yeah. I got
0: to check it out. Yeah, yeah. But um, I just loved it. And he basically just went through every issue we have on the planet right now stems from the feeling of separation. Mm. And if you grew up in the West, in large part, that's what you're taught through that religion. We're right. taught that God is outside of us. Yes. Right? And 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 God will judge you at the end of your life. Right. Which makes it a lot easier to judge other people. You better perform so that yeah. you're
1: worthy to be received.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so you see how this shit is seeded culturally right. for thousands of years, you know? And it really, he unfolds it so beautifully, but in part of that you know, the way is not force. That's the old way. That's Mm. the old model. The way is love and compassion. Yep. And the way we have love and compassion is cultivating it for ourselves. Right. Which takes surrender, takes trust, and it takes embodying the feminine, which is unconditional love and is compassion. Yeah. Right.
1: And it's, you know, it's very, it's extremely tough, man. And it's, uh, because it, just like what you say, it's that cultural programming is a large part of it. Um, and again, I can, you know, I I can get these concepts intellectually, and I buy into them 100%. But again, you got to get the central nervous system to feel that way. And it, it's interesting that you brought up collaboration versus competition, right? So that's, and I'm going to spin this back around to PaleoFX real fast. That we have always considered PaleoFX to be a collaborative event it's collaborative with the speakers, it's collaborative with the attendees. This is not Keith and Michelle preaching on high. This is everybody in this tribe coming together because we take feedback and we have, the, the show morphs ever how it's gonna morph. Man, we just put up guardrails and the people decide where it's gonna go. The only thing that Keith and Michelle do or the PaleoFX team is the litmus test. Is this an event that we would want to go to at the end of this That's what we asked. Would we want to go to that event after it's all said and done? Would I, like, if I looked on my calendar and I was in 10D and I said, there is one event I'm going to, and if it's only one in the year, what event do I want to go to and why? And that's what we ask ourselves when we put it together. Um, Yeah, it uh, totally and i don't know why burning man just popped in my head right now but i feel compelled to say something about burning man but um when i went to burning man last year the first time i had gone to burning man and i drug my heels for years i was not gonna go because i had a total misconception of what it was about you know i thought coachella on steroids Bonnaroo on steroids i was like yeah one day fly me in there let me party and fly me out but eight days hell no i'm not staying there for eight <laughs> days. um and i finally finally got talked into it this last year and let me tell you it was I I was out there two hours and I was like why did I drag my heels coming out here I am freaking home I loved every freaking second of it and was near crying when we had to leave at the end of it that feeling that I had that just that vibe that you feel when you're at burning man the whole time that's what i want to replicate at paleo fx so that for us for michelle and i that is our north star yeah now obviously we can't you know it's a totally different scene but that is the vibe that we intend to set at paleo fx is that kind of i am with my tribe i am with my people and you feel that at burning man and the whole time you're there you're just like yes i love this groove i love this tribe i love this how this feels out here even in the midst of all the freaking dust storms and the yada 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 and the in the shitty porta potties and all <laughs> of the heat and the cold and the whatever I, yeah i want to replicate that vibe at paleo fx
0: i love that right. yeah and i think you guys are doing that because
1: it's through the mindset of what can we build together right and that's what totally model can Bernie, we bring? that's where that's Bernie it man came in it's yeah. the collaborative thing because yeah. you're out there it's just it, it Boggles the mind, man. It's just like, how did this come to be? How can this, it's like this 80,000 person city just spring up out of nowhere and with all this magnificent art and music and expressions of creative genius everywhere you freaking look? Everywhere. It's just that first night on the playa that. I guess it happens to everybody, but my first night on the playa, I was dumbfounded just standing, looking at 360 degrees and it, and there was not one way that I could turn to go. Oh yeah, that's normal. You see that every day. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> I was dumbfounded for 360 degrees. I could not believe where I was. In fact, there was a couple of times I was pinching myself and I was like, Am I tripping my balls off right now? Like literally tripping my balls off. It, I mean, it was that intense, and it was that big of a hit to the to the mind and the body of just this beautiful expression of human creativity out in the middle of a freaking desert. It's amazing. Yeah, incredible, brother. Right, <laughs> it really is. Now yeah. I'm the poster boy for for Bernie man. People can't get me to shut up about it, now, which is so <laughs> funny because I was. A year ago i was like yeah whatever yeah yeah it's certainly an experience i
0: think people should should get into it's it's uh it blew me away too the first year we went my wife and i were only there for three days Mm. you know and then we went uh two years ago and we stayed for six or seven and six i think and you know it is it is one of those places where you I mean, it's, it's no different than plant medicine. Like you only know when you're fucking in it, right. You can describe it all day long. It's, it reminds me of, uh, I forget which podcast I was talking about this on, but Ted Decker, who wrote the 49th mystic and rise of the mystics, which mm-hmm. are on the true, te- true teachings of Christ, phenomenal books, two of my all time favorites. He says, when you, when you, you can describe an avocado perfectly to someone You can say what the fucking, how how the skin feels, Mm -hmm. how thick it is, when you peel it off, what the flesh is like, how big the seed is, the coloring, you can draw it for somebody, you could fucking model it exactly how it is and have a number of people do that, but you'll never know an avocado until you eat one, right? right? And that's the direct contact you have with Source in plant medicines. That's the direct experience you have at Burning Man where you're like, oh, fuck. There's a different way to live <laughs> right. look what we can do right look what we can do that is so different than what we've been handed right yes
1: just and, and to your point, it is so hard to describe that vibe to someone who has not been out there and they're like, what do you mean what do you mean the vibe what do you what are you talking about? I mean I understand being in a group of like-minded people and you know that that feeling I'm like, no man it's I, I don't know I can't explain it you just have to be out there there's something magnified by having that many people in that mindset altogether i mean it just elevates you and it does something in the mind man it just like freaking opens it up or something much like plant medicine it just yeah. it just allows you to consider what you otherwise would not consider on the day to day i think it's just it, it's an amazing experience and I, I, I can't wait for for next year <laughs> to speaking about it now i can't wait to go back
0: yeah yeah well, you know, one of the parallels I think there that something I really appreciated in all the times I've attended Paleo FX, is that it is experiential. Right. You know, I'm not just taking notes on, right what you know, X, Y, and Z from diet or a new right. lifting or protocol or any of that shit. It's something you can go and experience right. from the training to the food to the different vendors you guys have to getting in vitamin IV to fucking everything. It's right. all there, right? And it's such an incredible experience. And I really appreciate what you guys are doing there. Talk about how people get tickets, uh, when the event is and, uh, where people can find you online.
1: Right. So the event is here in Austin, Texas, July 14th through the 16th at the, it's at the Palmer event center, which is a beautiful event center here in Austin, Texas. It's super, super unique. Um, just South of the river, um, downtown Austin, uh, it's, you know, centrally located lots of great restaurants around here. And it, I, I tell people to, you know, When you come in for Paleo FX, make a week of it, man, because you want, if you haven't been to Austin before, and and in the spring, Austin is a freaking awesome place, man. There is a reason why entrepreneurs flock to Austin. There's a reason why people who can live anywhere in the world come to Austin. There's a reason why all of my vagabonding digital nomad friends come into Austin during the spring right they could go in they could be anywhere and they come to Austin and there's a reason for it Austin's just got this again I'm going to use a hippy dippy vibe verb but it's just got this feel to it man um so anyway uh, uh, April 24th through the 26th Austin Texas uh you can go to the website www.paleofx.com and get tickets I'm sure you guys have a have a link um and I'm sure we have a discount code for your listeners um, if you don't, we'll get that to you. We'll throw it all in the show notes, right. so people can one-click it. Right, yeah. and I, you know, to your point, Kyle, it. Yes, we have 120-ish every year. Super knocked out of the park speakers. Um, the information is invaluable, but at the end of the day, you know, you can get information anywhere. You can read it. Um, you can listen to podcasts. That's the great part of the digital age: is that information is out there. If you're a critical thinker and you're able to vet, right, which is another important segue but that information is out there what you can't get is human to human contact tribe vibe all of that and there's something i I mean i learned things at burning man that i could have read ten thousand times and they would not have resonated but i'd you know go to talks during the day and it just kaboom so you're there with other people there's something about being in proximity to other people while you're taking in information, or are having a discussion with somebody that it sets and, and maybe it comes back to your body knowing again. I don't know what that is, but that happens at Paleo FX. Yeah, brother. Right. Fuck yeah! Well, I'm so excited <laughs> to be a part of it again this year. Right on, and, we're uh, glad thank to you have so you. so much
0: for coming on. It's been incredible
1: having you. Absolutely, Kyle, I loved uh, every minute of it, man.
0: Thank you, brother. Thank you guys for tuning into today's show with my dude, Keith Norris. Keith is a fantastic human. Uh, He did set me up with Ton Cole Whitty, who obviously just released a little bit before him. Uh, Just a fantastic person. He and his family, uh, just incredible people and what they're doing with Paleo FX. I really hope and pray uh, makes it all the way through uh, past quarantine and we get to experience it again because there's a lot of new information coming out and a lot centered around health and wellness and living our best lives, which they really do break down and give people a platform much like myself who will be speaking there to really break down all aspects of how we live and get a little bit better every single day we're on this planet. So thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, be sure to check out their website, but Paleo FX will be going July 14th through the 16th. And if y'all can make it to Austin, you'll get to see me speak and hear me speak and get to meet me and all that cool stuff, as well as many other awesome people from my dudes, Ben Greenfield, Rob Wolf, Mark Sisson, and many other amazing people. Ton and Cole Whitty, who were just on the show, will be there. Lots of amazing people will be there. And uh, we look forward to seeing you at Paleo FX this year. Thank you guys for tuning in. See you in a week.